welcome to the Madge and Mastro podcast. Hey! Oh! What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to the Madge and Mastro podcast. My name is Madge. And I'm Mastro. Today is December 4th. Happy National Bartender Day, Mastro. Bartender Day? Oh, yeah. Yeah, we're Bartender talking. Day. We know, we know a lot of good bartenders. We've we been do, to a lot of bars do. with some memorable bartenders. You have a couple of good stories from a particular establishment where the bartenders, I would be surprised if none of them didn't know your name. Like you're famous there. You should honestly yes. have a spot on the wall at Chez Serge in downtown Montreal. I think I deserve at least at least a picture, like a signed picture framed onto the wall because I go there every single year for my birthday for the last eight years i think we referenced your t-shirt in one of our earlier episodes we did we did reference the t-shirt same outfit every single time mashro goes to chaser's for his birthday in february and the reason mashro deserves a spot on the wall is i'll let you tell most of the story but it begins and ends with the wheel I don't even know if it has an actual name, but it's the wheel. Let's call it the, is the wheel. It's, it's the wheel. It no, it's just the wheel. It should be the wheel, but it's just the wheel. It's the wheel. It's the wheel. The wheel is the wheel is amazing because I'll, I'll, I mean, a I'll, moment of like existential dread there as you remember. Well, yeah, because some, I there's some good slight, lines, some slight bad PTSD, lines. slight PTSD, very slight, but folks at home will understand very shortly. The wheel is is a, is a great concept where remember this is a bar, so you 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 spin the wheel for five dollars. You pitch in five bucks, you spin a wheel, and the wheel has multiple options on it in terms of drinks. So you can get a shot, you can get a 40, you can get a beer, you can get a cocktail. And, and you know, each wedge of the wheel is one of those options. Unfortunately, you know, some, some wedges kind of just give you, you know, a shot of water and you just wasted five bucks, but it's part of the fun. Now, there's one specific sliver of this wheel. I wouldn't call it a sliver. They it's, want okay, this It's a large happen. chunk. It's a large, <laughs> there are large chunks of the wheel that just say the word spanking. Now, this would entail the individual who spun the wheel to hop onto the bar while one of the bartenders grabs one of those those flat beaver tail paddles. I would describe it as like a beaver paddle, yeah. It, it's it's a beaver paddle. It's, it's, it's almost like a bolo bat. Like, I can't explain it. For those of you who have played cricket, I haven't, but for those, it's a cricket that's a bat. Good, yeah, that's it's a, a good visual. Uh, it's basically a, a small cricket bat. Uh, yeah, a shortened cricket bat. And and you, you you get up on the bar and bartender just gives you a nice, you know, three whacks to the bum. And it it, it hurts. It, like They, they want to hurt you. That's that's how they get their stress out. I'll give you credit, Mastro. We've been going there for many years, like you mentioned. And over the years, we've obviously seen a lot of spankings at the bar. And for the most part, these guys that go up there, and and women too, for that matter, for the most part, think they can handle it. They can. So you got guys that are blasted at two in the morning, spinning the wheel. They get up on the bar. They think they're Hercules. They're in like God mode. They get up on the bar and they're like half pulling their pants down so the girl can spank bare Bad skin. Bad they're idea. egging on. They're egging on the crowd. They think, oh, this is gonna be hilarious. And then that first beaver paddle hits. And we've seen some of them cry. We've seen some grown men we've cry. We've seen tears. We've seen grown men cry. But I'll give you credit. You've never given in. You've never showed pain. You've egged them on for more. And they, quite frankly, look surprised when you have almost no reaction, partially because you've gotten hit so many times from doing your birthday there so many times and people constantly buying you constantly buying you shots of the wheel. But yeah, so shout out to all the bartenders out there. We know it's tough times right now. It's hard. We it's hard wait. because, because you, you know, they're... They, they make a lot of their living 
off of not just the sub, but, but tips at the bar. I mean, Friday, mm-hmm. Saturday nights, that's where they make most of their income. And they, that is just shot right now. I, I understand there's definitely relief for, for these individuals to a certain, certain extent, but I don't think it compares to when they were actually working. And the fact that most of these bartenders, when you speak to them, actually enjoy being there with their customers, yeah. you know, with the with the people who come back every week. Like it's a part of their life. And, and it, it becomes strange now because those nights have just turned to mush. You can't do anything Not, with them. Ninety nine percent of bartenders are people that you can just sit at the bar. You've never met them before. And by the end of the night, you're best friends. And by the end of the night, they uh, are some, so you, you've learned some <laughs> or that. Yeah. So with that uh, happy National Bartender Day, we can't wait to get back out there and see all our, our friendly bartenders again. But while we yes, wait sir. for that day, let's hop into today's episode of the Magic Master Podcast. We got a lot going today, but Master, we'll start with our favorite segment. It's time for this week's Big Brachole. Yes, sir. Time for the Big Brachole. We explained the concept last week, basically the biggest story of the day or of the week that we're going to talk about. And we're going to head to the gridiron, the NFL, having some trouble with COVID outbreaks. It's happened a few times this season, but we saw it come to a head on Sunday and on Wednesday when the Ravens and Steelers finally got their game off the ground after, what, seven, eight days of, or six to seven days of postponements. Mastro, we saw the Denver Broncos get no reprieve from the league, losing all their quarterbacks on Saturday and being forced to play the Saints on Sunday with a practice squad wide receiver behind center. I know you have some strong stakes on this. Why don't you go ahead and take the floor and tell us why you think the NFL is making a big mistake handling COVID late in the season. Adj, you're right that I do feel strongly about this because it's happened earlier in the season. There, there was an issue with the Titans earlier on. Then there, then there was the Pats. Uh, they they had one one key player who who couldn't participate and they had to travel and play the game anyway. Then you mentioned the Broncos. Of course, that was a huge story where they literally had a wipeout in terms of QBs. They had no one to play at that position. And then and then the Ravens recently this this past week here where it got postponed and postponed and we had uh, our first ever NFL Wednesday afternoon game. Uh, historically, technically the longest NFL week in history, uh, stringing back to Thursday of the week before, early in the afternoon, about 1230 all the way up until the following Wednesday in the afternoon. With all this said, I just feel like the NFL was never ready for COVID. They had guidelines in place, yes, but to a certain extent, you're extending this game again and again and again. That that begs me to, to, to wonder why it wasn't done for the Broncos. I understand the specific guidelines in terms of if a position is unavailable is a very different story concerning an outbreak, but that's, does that not mean that we are technically rewarding the teams that are less responsible in a sense. Since the, the Ravens did have an outbreak and reportedly due to their strength and, and training coach, they had more people affected. They took more of a risk and yet they're rewarded with, oh, we'll wait a bit longer. Let's wait a bit longer. Yeah, you can play later. Maybe you'll get some guys back. But that's my main issue. But to that extent, if you look at the big picture, the NFL just wasn't ready. The NHL, the NBA, they had much less time to prepare. They had a bubble system. It was all set up. Now you have the NFL. You have teams left, right, and center with a COVID list. And I just think it's a big mess. And they just weren't ready. And they're too stubborn to finish their season. And I have a little feeling that they're not really putting the players' health first. And that's my concern. All right. There's a few things I I disagree with you on there. I will agree that the NFL had plenty of time and a lot more time than most of the other leagues, considering the fact that the NFL draft was held in April. And that was what? May, June, July, August, that's four months before the season started. The NFL should have started making plans well before the time they actually did when they actually sat down at the negotiating table with the NFLPA. 
Regarding the points that you made about fairness and about the teams that basically got screwed over this past week, for one thing, you took the words out of my mouth when you said that, yeah, technically competitive advantage was not in the cards that the NFL said, you know what, if a position group gets wiped out, that's on you. That's your problem. I think the difference between the situations that we've seen over the course of the year, specifically the Raiders and the Broncos, is that these outbreaks and these situations were a result of carelessness. The Raiders had an event where a lot of players were not wearing masks. And the same thing with the Broncos, where the QB showed up on an off day. All they had to do was social distance and wear their masks, and we wouldn't have been in the situation. No one forced them not to wear their masks. And on top of that, they were caught in a lie. They said that they were following all the regulations. And when video was checked afterwards, it was found that they lied about it. So when you get caught in a lie, you're going to get slapped on the wrist for it. The Ravens, on the other hand, like you said, had a full-blown outbreak through the team. And you talk about maybe the NFL not taking safety into account. The Steelers were complaining all week about this game getting off the ground. But if a guy every second day or every other day, or actually every day, was catching or was coming back with a positive test, which was the case with the Ravens up until Tuesday or Wednesday morning, and even then we weren't sure up until Wednesday morning if the game was going to happen, Guys on the Ravens were saying, we don't want to get on the plane with each other. We don't know who else is going to test positive. And on the other hand, you really want to spread that over to the Steelers. Then you have two teams in a playoff race in the AFC, one team undefeated, looking to go undefeated on the season, now seeing it 11-0 after their win on Wednesday, that could have possibly picked up a few cases and then started their own operate. So I think the NFL had no choice. The cases were contained with the Broncos. They were contained in some of these other situations. And overall, I think the biggest issue was the fact that the NFL didn't schedule in a second bye week at the beginning of the year, which would have saved a lot of trouble. But ultimately, I think it was the right move to postpone the game. It was sucks that it went to Wednesday. It was kind of cool to you know have a random Wednesday afternoon where normally there's nothing going on and we had football going. But I think the NFL had no choice but to postpone that game up until the point when it finally got played. You say it with such confidence that they had no choice. I, I'm not so sure about that. I mean, well, what other choices did they have, Mastro? If guys the, the, were testing positive every single day positive, up until a Tuesday, the guys who are positive don't play. That's it. The problem is that we don't know when these guys are going to test positive. So if you have a guy that tests positive on whatever day it was, the first day, I think was Wednesday when Lamar Jackson last week, I think we were recording actually. So that was Thursday night, if yeah. I'm not mistaken. Yeah. And Lamar Jackson tested positive. So that was three days before game day. Yep. So they test positive starting on Thursday. Guys test positive on Friday. Guys test positive on Saturday. Guys test positive on Sunday. That's indications that there was an outbreak going throughout the team because different position groups were getting affected. You had running backs going down. You had defensive linemen going down. You had the quarterbacks going down. It wasn't contained like it was with the Broncos. On top of that, we know now that the virus takes a few days to incubate in some people. So if guys are getting exposed on Friday, they might not find out till Sunday. If guys are getting exposed on Sunday, they might not find out till Tuesday. And the fact that it kept going, the NFL had that built-in rule where it needed a couple of days in a row with no tests, with no positive tests or guys that weren't in contact with anyone to play the game. So for all we know, if they had played on Monday or Tuesday or whenever it was, there would have been guys going on the field that might have not tested positive that day, that might have tested positive after the game. And then you have an even bigger scandal on your hands. So what's to say that one of these Bronco QBs didn't actually come into contact with anyone else. Who Who is to say that is proven fact? No one. No one. Well, no it's one else has tested air. positive up to this so, point. Yeah, okay. Maybe they didn't because they just didn't get it. Who's to say that somebody followed around each one of these QBs to make sure they came in contact with absolutely no one else involved? Well, they have the cameras on in the facilities that confirm that these guys were not following protocol. The other thing the league has had are these, are these kinetics watches that are kind of similar to the COVID apps that we all have on our phones now, where you can kind of see who you've been in contact with. You're supposed to wear them around the facility, see like how much time you spend in contact with other people. And that's how they were contact tracing. And apparently these guys weren't wearing them. For the most part, I think that concept has worked throughout the league. 
Ultimately, this virus has wreaked havoc on professional sports in ways that we could have never imagined. And, you know, the MLB had these, this issue. And who knows? The NBA and the NHL didn't have the issue because no one tested positive. But now both these leagues are going back into play with no bubble. So who's to say it's not going to happen to them, too? I don't see any road where this is going to be perfect. We knew this was going to happen at one point or another. I think people blew this out of proportion because the Steelers were whining about it all week because they wanted to get the game done knowing that Lamar was not going to play that J.K. Dobbins was not going to play, that Mark Ingram was not going to play, that all these defensive linemen were out. The longer the game got pushed, the more possibilities were that they could come back and play. And I think the Steelers, and it showed on on Wednesday, the Steelers only won by five. They were favored by 10 and a half points. I would be sweating as a Steelers fan. I'm shocked that the game was that close. We talked about it. There's no reason that game should have been that close to begin with. They had plenty of chances to start the game to get the ball in the end zone. They couldn't. Big Ben threw a pick on that first drive. They couldn't score in the red zone. Guys couldn't catch the ball to save their lives. Deontay Johnson had drops. Eric Ebron had drops. Chase Claypool had drops. You love Chase Claypool. He did not have a great game. Yeah, he did. The Steelers should have. But like, who did he slip up a bit too? And you know what? It makes me wonder. If if Lamar had played, you never know what could happen. I'm just going to say that first quarter was brought to us by uh, Pillsbury Apple turnovers because that's all that happened in that quarter. It was nice to see RG3 back out there again, but just goes to show that this guy has just made a glass. He, he barely lasted through the oh, first half. Man. It sucks. It hurts me to see it. Imagine I loved him in 2012, 2013. Yeah. And he was he was Lamar Jackson before Lamar Jackson. Well, so well, nice he, well hold on. He was, he was not Lamar Jackson. He was a mini Lamar Jackson maybe he was not a Lamar Jackson but he was definitely I I can't imagine what he would have been without the injury because he definitely would have been I'd say one of the top five QBs in the league hands down without that injury I just want to say after all these years it's cleared me one thing from that 2012 draft class is that the second best active quarterback from that class a young Mr. Ryan Tannehill now playing for the Tennessee Titans but get out of here of the Miami Dolphins Okay. I'm sure we're going to talk about COVID in the NFL again and other sports for that matter as we get into the NBA and NHL seasons, but we'll put that on the back burner for now because now it's time for... Paisano Preference. That's right. New segment this week, everyone. Paisano Preference. I'll just give you guys a little bit of an explanation before we start. It is the first time we do this. Uh, For those of you who are not Italian, once again, paisano is an Italian word that just means countrymen, but more specifically just means someone from your own country or or related to without actually being related to. It's, it's, It's thrown around fairly loosely. Uh, in Italian. And it's a pretty I'm versatile sure word. It's versatile, exactly. And I'm sure everyone's heard one Italian yell to another, hey, paisan! It's, it's, it, it happens quite often. My so. favorite is when two old Italian guys who've never met before, which is rare because most Italian guys, especially in this city, all know each other by this point. True. The second they realize that they're in the presence of a paisan, will yell, oh, paisan! And the other guy kind of had an inkling that this guy was Italian. Yep. Now he yelled the official call of Italian. The mating call. Yeah, well, I don't know about mating call. It's the mating call. uh, It's the mating call. All right, well, we'll call it that if you want. But (laughs) the point is that we like yelling it like most of our words in Italian. Yep. You're my paisan. I'm your paisan. That's how we get along. We we are We get right into it. We are What's the topic for this? What's the topic for this week's first paisano preference? This week's preference, where we will give our preferences on this topic, is uh, the fact that the Montreal Impact are considering changing their name. Ale Montreal. Ale Montreal, but it's... uh, not going to be Impact Montreal. Uh, they're thinking about changing it to Montreal FC. Match, how do you feel about this change? Masho, I talked about first impressions last week, and my first impression when I heard the news was that I liked it. 
there's nothing really tying Montreal to the impact name in the sense that it doesn't really signify anything to do with the city. You know, the Canadians, there's a history behind that name. You know, the same thing, I guess you could say for the Alouettes, if they change their name, the Alouettes is just a, a bird, a fighter jet. I mean, there's a bit of a historical significance on, in terms of war history on that end. But the Impact name, I think, was just a name that they came up with in the 90s. And now one thing that's important to note is that Kevin Gilmore is the pre, is the new president or has been there for a few, a few years now, the guy running the show on the business side for the Impact. And as a president, he, his first mandate was to make Montreal feel like a big time club and to be taken more seriously, not just in Montreal, but internationally. And that started, I think, with Thierry Henry getting hired without anyone else being interviewed for the job because of the brand power that Thierry Henry brings. You know, you had BBC News, you had Sky Sports, you had all kinds of different outlets in Europe reporting the news that the Montreal Impact had hired Thierry Henry. And I'm sure most of those soccer fans in Europe wondered, what is an impact? What is that? Who, which team is this? So I think that's the first part of the equation. Second part of the equation, I think there's a chance for a nice rebrand here. The Impact had done a good job last year on social media, kind of hyping up the season. Unfortunately, COVID got rid of all that excitement pretty quickly. But there's a there's a wave of, of change, I guess, coming with this with this team as they try and become relevant in MLS. And I think that also takes you another step towards that new image that the team is trying to build by changing the name to something a bit more, we'll call it serious if you want to call it that. I don't know, man. I, I, I don't see it. I don't see it at all. Uh, the, the name Impact is unique. It's original. It's somewhat historic in the sense that it's been around almost since the inception of, of Montreal. People actually refer to them as the Impact. And I understand you drop the Montreal, but for someone who has been an Impact fan this whole time, I used to watch games as a kid. I used to go there. I don't want to see that name go away. I don't want to see Montreal FC. Why, why, why do you have to look and fall in line with everyone else? Why can't you be unique? Why can't you keep your uniqueness? We're in the province of Quebec. Everybody always argues, let's keep our culture. Let's keep it. Well, why are you getting rid of impact? It's, it's practically part of the culture. The fact that they're called the impact. I grew up thinking, oh man, I could play for the impact. Couldn't care less. Montreal, whatever. Impact was 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 what made the impact. Uh, it, it's 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 so strange. On top of that, because Montreal FC FC would stand for football club. Here's another issue with the province of Quebec. They like their things to be French. Do you see the French community saying Montreal Football Club? No. They would probably want Club de Football, which would be CF. There's another issue that pops up. Is it is it going to be let slide because oh it's it's, it's a professional team, uh, all the press, all the coverage. Oh, let it slide, let it slide. It's been a rule the whole time. So why I say why not just go with what the actual French league earned does in France, and they just use the name of the city. All of their teams, Paris Saint Germain. Saint-Étienne, Rennes, they, they all use just the name of the city. No FC, no AC, no Inter. It's not necessary. If you want to really rebrand, just call it Montreal because that's who we are. That's where we are. And that's what it is. Well, I think that's where this is going. I think even myself growing up, I remember going with a buddy my early high school years to Claude Robert Stadium. And we're going way back now. Greg Sutton goal, guys like Asa Brango and some other stars back in the day, taking the impact on some playoff runs in the stadium being wild and that all that the ultras and that whole super fandom starting back in those days and now being brought over to Saputo. But ultimately at the end of the day, you know, you talk about the culture, I'm not buying it. I don't think impact really ties into it. I mean, I think you'd honestly see much more of an uproar if it was that big of a deal. The thing that I kind of go by is if your team name can't be directly put into a logo, that's probably not a good start. You know, what is an impact? Impact is not a thing. It's not an animal. It's not something vicious. It's not something intimidating. It's just a word. Montreal FC just feels cleaner. It feels more professional to me. It feels like something that you can 
broadcast worldwide with a bit of your chest pumped out when you say it. And quite frankly, the impact name came in when the team was in lower tier leagues. CSL folded, USL actually used the Montreal FC name for a couple of years in 15 and 16 before that folded. stopped, I guess. Folded, yeah. So, but the, my point being that, you know, these team names that are kind of quirky and unique usually come out of leagues like, you know, junior hockey, Canadian soccer league, NASL, all these leagues that were startups that needed something to differentiate themselves from the big players. If MLS wants to be a big player, they got to act like a big player. And that's why I think Kevin Gilmore and Joey Saputo floated this out. I will say floated this out. This is not official. Radio Canada had the report. I think this was leaked on purpose. Having a bit of experience uh, on the media side and in PR, I think someone leaked this out to get a feel for what the reaction would be. And quite frankly, like listening to talk radio and just looking on Twitter, if there was a real vitriol against this name change, you would see it. And I haven't seen it yet. I mean, I'll tell you right now, as a player, it doesn't matter. The the guy in the field doesn't care what the name is. If it's Montreal is C Impact. But you just said you were going up and you wanted to be impact. Hold on a second. As a fan, that is a whole different story. You said growing up, you want to play for the impact as a player. You weren't growing up to be trying to be an impact fan. You were already a fan. You wanted to play for the impact. Exactly. As a fan of the impact, I want to play for the impact. Once a player is on the team, he couldn't care less what the name is. He goes there to do his job and he has fun on the field. When a player gets traded, he doesn't say, oh man, this team name sucks. No, he's just, he's playing for that team. As a what about fan, the jersey? You want to look good? Yeah, I want, I want, to, I want impact on my jersey. I want they don't to even have impact on the jersey now. It says BMO. It should. It. it should say impact. That's their name. I mean, okay, put it this way. Put it this way. You're, you're, you're saying they're trying to revert away from this. So explain to me the New England revolution. How do you, what the hell is a, a revolution? Isn't, well, isn't my, a well what I was also the Seattle Sounders? That. The a Sounders, that sound, sound. You, how are you going to put sound on a, I on agree a, on a jersey? With you. I agree with you. A lot of these teams have these quirky, unique names that came up when the MLS was just a figment in the imagination of Don Garber and whoever else founded the league. Seattle back in the Sounders, day, but, pretty good team, if you ask me. I don't know. All I'm saying is, in Montreal, and specifically with Kevin Gilmore and Joey Saputo, the vision since they brought Kevin Gilmore in is to globalize it. And it started with the hiring of Thierry Henry. And if you're going to be global, you got to sound global. That's all I'm saying. Montreal Impact doesn't resonate across the world. The only time people ever heard of the impact was when uh, he got hired. The second you start bringing in, why do you think Inter-Miami is called Inter-Miami? You know, some of these new teams, Nashville, does Nashville have a team name? Yeah, Nashville. Exactly. So they don't have like a, a side name or a nickname. And I, and I will just say this as we wrap this up, that no matter what happens, if they do keep the name or if they go this new direction with Montreal FC, I kind of see it in a way that we kind of see in Europe with, you know, Arsenal and the Gunners, Tottenham Hotspur. The nickname is there, but we don't really use it that often. It's kind of used almost like the way the Habs is used in context of they're the Montreal Canadiens, but their side name, their nickname, their quirky name is the Habs. And I think the impact name will always live on. It will. But on paper, I think Montreal sees a, a smart move in the future. I personally, I don't I don't think it makes that much. I don't think the, the brand or the image will grow that much just because of a couple letters. I, that, that's all I'm saying. But what's the, the first end, thing that happen? What's the first thing that happens when a New Jersey is dropped by a team? A New Jersey? A is New dropped? Jersey is dropped. Yeah. What's the first thing people do? Well, they buy it. it. It could also just be a money thing. It could also just be Joey saying, listen, we need some more revenue. We want to bring in some new DPs. I don't know how much money merchandising for an MLS team is going to bring in. But if you can generate some momentum and people like the the look of the new jersey, the the impact jerseys are pretty clean. I don't know how much of a change. I don't know how much of a change there will be because it's just changing the nickname. It's not necessarily changing the whole color scheme of the team. But the fact is people are going to go spend money on new jerseys when this jersey drops. Fine, but you final, don't need final to word, change, Final word on this, Nashville? You, you don't need to change a name to drop a new jersey. 
I'm just going to say that. But yeah, we're going to move on because we have to move on to one of our favorite segments, I believe. And I speak for us both. Chatelli Flex and Flop. All right, time for this week's Fratelli Flex and Flop. Mastro, you took the flop last week. This week, you got the flex. Tell us what made you happy this week. I got the flex, yeah. What made me happy was seeing this in the sports news, uh, actually not too long ago. Uh, It's reported that Josh Norman, recently acquired by the Buffalo Bills, took $25,000 out of his pocket and put it towards helping out small businesses in the Buffalo area. Mr. Norman, on the field, you are a bit of a pest. You have a bit of an attitude. You can ask the Washington football team how they feel about that. Uh, We all know what happened there. But I do believe that in the end, you are a good guy because dishing out your own cash to support these small businesses going through a tough time with COVID right now, I think is a really, a really stand up act. And at the same time, it's not, we understand for Josh Norman, $25,000 does not break the bank. However, it's not just that, you know, a lot of athletes, they like to throw the cash around. They like to make it pain and that's their flex. Josh decided he's not only going to put the money down, but he's going to campaign to reach that $1 million mark by reaching out to investors, reaching out to uh, philanthropists, reaching out to a bigger business to chip in and help out. And he's even been seen on the sidewalks of Buffalo, standing there in front of a podium, trying to take time out of his day so he can push forward this initiative. And I think for that reason, Josh Norman, you get my Fratelli Flex of the Week. Wasn't Josh Norman the guy who got run over by Derek Henry a few weeks ago? I guess he had a change of heart because of it. I don't know, but yes. I don't mean to crap on the guy while you're saying nice things about him. I just, that's the first thing I flash back to. You're a horrible person. You're just, you're really I like, I, I'm literally pumping the guy's tires. You show up and just slash them down. Like I can't, I, I don't believe it. I, you I, know, I hate to say this, but I think it's great also. But the problem is that for the most part on social media, 99% of the tweets about this guy are going to be that gif of Derrick Henry just trucking him. Just smoking him, yeah. I and maybe 1% is going to be people like you talking about all the good things this guy's doing. No, but definitely we give kudos to Josh Norman. That's a great flex of the week. And I will say also that a lot of athletes are doing this, but you know it's good to see Josh Norman being out there and, and helping out, especially in a, in, a, in a city like Buffalo that is not exactly like the mecca of big media, we'll call it. It's kind of always the little brother of New York State, but great flex, Mastro. I really enjoyed that one. And I'm sorry that I brought up the fact that Derrick Henry ruined his life a couple weeks that's, ago. That's quite all right, because because I'm just saying it's, it's just one good guy trying to point out what another good guy is trying to do. That's all I'm saying. But let's move on uh, because with every flex, there comes a flop. So you've been handed the flop this week. What is your Fratelli flop of the week? That was a great flex of the week. Master Josh Norman definitely doing right by his community. A community he has not been a part of for that long. So it's good to see him already throwing himself into the mix on that end. My flop of the week, we head to the ring. Last week, we spoke about Mike Tyson and Roy Jones Jr. That fight ended in a draw on that card. However, Jake Paul versus Nate Robinson, and it ended badly for Nate Robinson. Face down on the floor, kind of looked like he was planking. Remember planking that trend back in the day? Now the Nate Robinson challenge is a thing. Right after that fight, Jake Paul was calling out Conor McGregor, calling out all kinds of people. And for some reason, Evander Kane, winger for the San Jose Sharks, decided to jump on Twitter that night and call out Jake Paul. I don't know if he's buddies with Nate Robinson. I don't know if he was just aggravated by this guy spouting off after a victory against a guy he had a foot height advantage over 
Nate Robinson did not belong in that ring. We're lucky that he's lucky that he didn't get seriously injured. And Jake Paul has no leg to stand on calling out a guy like McGregor, even if McGregor is not a boxer, even if McGregor is also a loudmouth fighter. The guy is a professional trained weapon. And this guy just beat up a former basketball player who has no little to no boxing experience. And now he thinks he's the heavyweight champion of the world. What bothers me the most is the fact that, yeah, for a few minutes there, it was fun to see Evander Kane and even Robin Lehner from the Vegas Golden Knights jump in and kind of team up these two guys who are rivals on the ice, but off the ice, they were both going at Jake Paul and eventually his brother Logan Paul was also getting on it. I don't like to give attention to these guys. It's great for them that they're famous and rich from their YouTube and their acting careers and they've worked for whatever they've got. But a lot of the things that got them there is inflammatory comments that are just meant to set people off. Like it clearly did with me. I think my beef more is that if you're going to do this, bring the heavy guns to the table. If Andrew Kane's an NHL player, these guys are taught to chirp from day one. His chirp game has been lackluster. I've heard better chirps from a dead bird. I've heard better chirps at the rink. Dead bird, yeah. I've heard better chirps at the rink at Beer League. I am notorious for not shutting up at Beer League. And I am not good at trash talking. But every once in a while, even I hit a golden one. I hit one out of the park. These guys are just flapping their gums. This fight's never going to happen. The NHL, or rather the San Jose Sharks, will not allow one of their contracted players to step into a boxing ring. These guys aren't going to to go skiing or snowboarding during the offseason or on off days. These guys can go step into a ring with some random YouTuber. And for what? Just to prove he's manlier? The whole thing has gotten way too much attention. That's my flop of the week is the attention this has gotten from major media networks, the people on Twitter that are propping this up, even though the trash talk has been pretty bad and the entertainment and after the Robin Lehner tweet that said, I will F you up to Jake Paul. I believe Robin Lehner would F him up because we've seen Robin Lehner go off. I'd rather see that fight or hell, even put Evander Kane and Robin Lehner in a ring or maybe get Ryan Reeves in there and have like some crazy WWE SmackDown fiasco pay-per-view. I'd rather watch that than watch these guys go destroy a YouTuber because there's no way a YouTube guy, just because he beat up Nate Robinson, is going to get into a ring with NHL guys who've been scrapping since junior hockey. So my flop of the week is this whole story. I'm sick and tired of hearing it about it. I had to get it off my chest. It's kind of annoyed me all week because it keeps popping up in my Twitter feed. I don't know if you have anything to say on this, but that's my flop of the week. You know, Madge, I could not agree more. You you literally hit the nail on the head with this because this is an embarrassment for both parties. You've got Evander Kane, who is a professional NHL player, represents San Jose Sharks, and he is just going off like a child on Twitter here on social media. It, it's pretty embarrassing on his end. On the other side, the Paul brothers, I mean, I don't understand how how you are so confident and so egotistical about this. Like you said, it's 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 not a big win. It's not a big win. It's really not. So for them to go off like this, I, I mean, I even listened to a little bit of their podcast and they, they don't even know what hockey is. They don't know who the San Jose Sharks are. So I don't know what you're mouthing off on when you when you do not talk about what you don't know is all I'm going to say. Yeah, these, so these guys don't know what they're these guys don't know what they're getting into. Evander Kane would literally wipe the floor with both of them. Paul didn't even know that in hockey, they take the gloves off to fight. That's that's just sad. That's just sad. We're going to move on. I hope this the, is the last we talk about it. We have to get yeah, off our chest. Enough, enough. That's the we flop of the week. This, we should not give this any more time than it's no. already been and, given. And unfortunately, we probably will at some point if, if it ends up happening again. But uh, I, I doubt it will just based on everything we talked about. Flex and flop of the week is done. Moving right along. Kuji Quickfire. Yes, sir. Time to go warp speed. It's Kuji Quickfire. Last week, I forgot to mention that Kuji is cousin. So I think that's the only intro that we have, Mastro, that we wouldn't say like, you, I could say you're my paisan. I could say you're my 
bro. I could say you're a bunch of different things, but I wouldn't call you my Kuji. Kuji is reserved to the cousins. Specifically cousins. Yes, exactly. So let's go right ahead. Kuji quickfire warp speed. Try to keep up with us. Here we go. Start the clock. Tragedy avoided last week in F1 Master. What happened? Yes, at the Bahrain Grand Prix, F1 driver for the Haas racing team, Romain Grosjean, was involved in a very serious crash where his vehicle exploded into flames and he was stuck in the cockpit for almost 30 seconds and somehow miraculously came out of those flames almost unscathed, which is a couple burns on his hands. Moving on to you, Madge. Big trade news in the NBA, I believe. Yeah, a real wash bomb dropped on Wednesday night. John Wall heading to Houston, Russell Westbrook over to Washington. Both these guys wanted out. This seems like a lose-lose situation for both teams. I don't see either side really improving. It's kind of similar players on bad contracts, just swapping jerseys. But we'll see what happens. Maybe Westbrook refines the magic. John Wall hasn't played in nearly two years, so he's going to be rusty. We'll see if he can keep hard and happy in Houston. Master, the NHL looking at a different way to play hockey this year. What do you think? That's right. So it's reported by Sportsnet that there are at least four NHL teams considering playing outdoor home games. Anaheim, Boston, the LA Kings, and Pittsburgh all looking at playing outdoor home games with the hopes of having fans at their games. Not sure how that's going to turn out for LA and Anaheim. It's pretty warm out there. Match. Sticking with the NHL, I believe the commission had some news. That's right. Bettman speaking at the Sports Business Journal's Dealmakers in Sport panel. Seemed a little aggravated talking about everything going on in the NHL. He knew this was, this was coming, but he had to answer them anyways. He says the NHL is not trying to renegotiate with the NHLPA. I see where he's coming from in the sense that 50-50 split has to happen one way or another. Whether they get paid back, paid back now or later, the owners are going to get their pockets filled with the money they're owed. That said, you can't tell me I'm not renegotiating when you're changing the part of a contract that was negotiated in the summer. You are renegotiating. Stop trying to beat around the bush. Let's get this stuff done. Let's get back on the ice. Master, a big tennis tournament is getting postponed. What's happening? That's right, tennis fans. If you're interested in watching the Australian Open, you're going to have to keep waiting because it's been rescheduled for February 8th, three weeks later than it was supposed to start. Uh, In this case, it may still be canceled. We are unsure. However, players are worried about the 14-day quarantine and how they're going to quarantine, where they'll be staying, and their training concerns considering there's not much space available. Match, the Lakers seem to be loading up for another championship. That's right. The two big stars, LeBron and Anthony Davis, re-up this week, LeBron, two years, 85 mil. His contract ends when he's turning 38, when his son, Bronny, could potentially be eligible for the NBA draft. Possibly, will we see the first ever son-father duo in the NBA? I think it's still a stretch, but you never know. AD, five years, 190 mil. Big part of the championship run last year. The Lakers are set to repeat, if you ask me. Mash some more F1 news that we have to talk about. That's right, Match. Sticking to that topic of father-son, we have the son of the very famous seven-time F1 champion driver, Michael Schumacher, will be racing for Haas Racing Team as of next year. He was signed. Mick Schumacher looks to fill in daddy's really big shoes because we haven't seen a Schumacher in F1 since 2012. Madge, I believe the NCAA has some news as well involving a couple teams. That's right, Mastro. Interesting news out of the Big Ten in college football in Michigan, Ohio State, in jeopardy of being played next week. Michigan had to cancel their game this weekend against Maryland, and it's possible that if Michigan misses that game against Ohio State, it could seriously hurt Ohio State's chances of meeting the six-game minimum to qualify for the Big Ten championship game and could seriously hurt their chances of being in the college football playoff. Ohio State has been ranked fourth, if not higher, throughout the entire season. Justin Fields is a Heisman candidate. Ohio State has national championship aspirations, and it has been suggested by some, including national voice Kirk Herbstreit, that Michigan could just wave the white flag and basically screw over Ohio State and avoid getting smoked by them on the national stage next week. That would be terrible. He's since apologized. I hope that game goes off, and I hope that this is settled because we don't want COVID ruining the integrity of college football heading into the biggest part of the season. 
And there we go, Madge, another close one right under the buzzer. Kuji, quick fire, uh, usually a mouthful, but we got through it pretty smoothly. How'd you feel about this week? Yes, sir. You know, it usually feels like a mouthful because for a month there, you had your Tiger King mustache, your little handlebars that were gently caressing your top lip. So it might've been a bit harder for you to get the words out of your mouth, but it seemed today you were a bit smoother with that clean shaven look. Ladies love the stash. You, you definitely, you are the only person I know that could rock the look that you were rocking for November. You did a great job raising money for a great cause. So I commend you for that. Thank you. You did look interesting for a while there. That's the word I'll use on the air. It's one of the better ones I've heard. So I'll take it as a compliment. <laughs> I'm sure your parents definitely love that look. Mastro, we got a Twitter account. We're pretty active on it. We could have been a bit more active on Sunday, but it was a busy Sunday. It's Christmas time. We're both putting up the tree and stuff. And honestly, uh, the Jets were bound to lose anyways. And uh, Miami just, you know, took them to town like we expected would happen. I'm surprised we didn't even get to that in this entire episode. I forgot to mention how bad your Jets are. But I guess you're kind of hoping for them to lose. And it would have been more of a story if the Jets had won. Both our bold predictions actually missed the mark because both the guys we predicted would do stuff didn't play. But a win is a win. I'll take it. I've been wearing my Dolphin jersey around. I've had to go to campus a few times this week and got some nice compliments for the first time in my life as a Dolphins fan. So that was nice. Mastro, uh, any thoughts on that uh, pitiful Jets performance? You know, they've only put up three points against the Dolphins all year. I'll say it. I said it last week. I'll say it again. There was no Flacco at that game. So that that's the only reason they lost. Darnold is washed up. Use him to mop the floor. Use him as a rag. He's washed up. He's washed up. He's he's done. He's I, I can't anymore. I've lost my patience. I don't care. You say you know, he had mono. He had this. Oh my shoulder. I'm done. I'm done. I'm, I'm, I'm as a Jet fan. I'm, I'm I'm done with it. The guy just he, he can't cut it. Move on. Next draft pick. Let's go. Well, we know they're moving on from Darnold one way or another. They're not going to leave Trevor Lawrence out there and they're going to take him first overall if they get that pick. Like I said, we're on Twitter. Follow us at Madge Mastro Pod. We'll be on there all weekend. College football, NFL football. Hopefully, you know, the NBA season's coming. Hopefully we get some hockey soon. I know you love tweeting about the NHL and plenty about the referees. So give us a follow at Madge Mastro Pod. We'd love to have you on there. We'll definitely love to chat with you and argue the way we argue about all kinds of different sports topics. We left a lot of stuff off our list today. There was a lot of things we could have got to today, Mastro, that we didn't talk about. A lot of stuff happening in the news cycle. Yeah, that's that's true. I mean, speaking of hockey, you know, I'm so looking forward to hockey. Unfortunately, where we are right now, we can't play hockey. All the leagues are shut down. Uh, they're locked down due to the pandemic, obviously, and, and it kind of sucks. So at least having hockey on TV would be nice. Maybe in your case, I don't know how exciting it would be watching the Habs, considering that they need COVID to make the playoffs. And without it, they probably wouldn't have done anything. But then again, you know, I digress. Uh, you never know what's going to happen this season. They did bolster up. I just still think that they need new management and a new coach before they can actually win anything. Not bad. Not bad. Not bad for this attempt. You know, I will say that I, actually I couldn't even name any of the guys in the Columbus Blue Jackets who took down the Toronto Maple Leafs in that short series. Uh, wasn't there trade rumors of Freddie Anderson getting traded after that series? Wasn't there a lot of turmoil about uh, Austin Matthews and Mitch Marner not being the guys to lead that team to glory? What are your, what are your thoughts on that? Um, hogwash, I think is the, is the, the term that I'd like to use for that. We're definitely gonna have a lot more hockey talk as we get deeper and deeper into some of these episodes. And as we approach what we assume will be a January 15th ish, February 1st, it's not starting early January. So we'll say near the end of January, we'll definitely get into hockey talk. Cross not sure. I had, I had a question for you actually, uh, now that you're throwing, uh, throwing bombs out here, throwing Shoot punches, away. some Jake Paul haymakers. Uh, you mentioned that the NHL, some of the teams were looking at playing outside. So if the Leafs are one of those teams to play outside, that would mean that the last Stanley Cup tr- trophy team picture and the, and if they win this year, the newest Stanley Cup team picture would both be taken on outdoor rings. Isn't that right? Because wow, they didn't have okay, electricity. Okay. They didn't have so electricity. 
back when, right? I'm just trying to remember. Slow clap. Very, the slow picture, clap. Yeah. A picture of that championship trophy, that championship one was pretty fuzzy uh, back in the day. So maybe, well maybe, you know, I don't know if they, if they, if the technology improved by that point. That's my, that's my yeah. final point this week. Thank I God. Think I won Thank that God. Battle. I haven't heard that one yet. Thank God. I haven't heard it. I, I swear to God. It's, it's so new to me. I, wow. I put a spin on it. Give me a break. I put it. I put you did. You did. No, I, I gave you the slow clap, didn't I? I know. I know. Good job on both ends. Mastro was fantastic talking to you today. Can't wait to chirp you next time. Until my then. Pleasure. Like I said, follow us on Twitter at Madge Mastro Pod. We're out for tonight. Ciao for now.